All right, all right. Now, now, hug three people and let them know you love them. We're getting big today. There is no love in the I see some hugs happening on the right side of the room. Now the left, it's like the wave. It slowly goes over. It's good. It's good. We're in pajamas, so I think that's why it's weird for everyone. But it's going to make sense. It's going to make sense. <clears throat> so how many folks are excited that it's Christmas? Like, are we ready? We can finally say Merry Christmas, right? It's been crazy. And believe it or not, we're barreling down to a brand new decade. Can you believe that? A new decade uh, in this millennium. At 2020, he's going to kick off a brand new decade. It would be, so, you know, I remember growing up, you had, like, you would watch the decades on, like, VH1 or, or, or MTV. They would have decades, like, you know, of music. So it made me think, my goodness, what is this decade going to be? I don't know. So just know that we're coming down the barrel of that. So I'm so excited for that. So we have some folks who like Christmas. So all of us, how many folks probably have a favorite part of Christmas? Does everybody have a favorite part of Christmas? I saw some excitement. Thank you, Harley. You had my back. Harley had a favorite part of Christmas. I don't know about you, but we all have a favorite part of Christmas. I think Christmas is a time of year where, where we can all, whether we follow Jesus or not, whether we've known him for 20 minutes, 20 years, for two years, or just know him as a picture on grandma's wall, uh, we have something about Christmas that we enjoy. And the church answer is going to be why we love Christmas. Obviously, it's the birth of our Savior, right? But I'm going to put all my cards on the table. That's not the only thing I like about Christmas. As a matter of fact, my favorite part about Christmas came before I even knew Jesus as my Savior. And my favorite part about Christmas was family. The thing about Christmas for me, the reason I love Christmas, it wasn't that, that we got all the toys or we got all the things. It was that my family, no matter who was mad at who or no matter who didn't have and who did have, we could sit down around a table for 30 minutes and break bread and then get to open presents. We didn't worry about what the next year held. We didn't worry about who was there, who wasn't there. We just cherished the moment of the families that could be there. Now, how many folks would say family is why they enjoy Christmas? All right, I see some hands. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite things. And that's why, if you know me, I love Christmas. As a matter of fact, you know I love, I still have a bell from uh, the Polar Express because I believe, you know what I'm saying, like I love Christmas. It's one of the reasons I love Christmas. And the thing that I want you to know really quickly is maybe you're listening online or you're watching uh, right now online or listening by podcast and maybe family is your favorite part, but you feel like you're going through this season alone. I want you to know there's a family here at the Vine that is not going to let you walk through this season alone. We would love to know how to pray for you or serve you. Please reach out to us. Reach out to us at prayeratthevine.tv. Shoot us a text message or phone call at 864-580-6698. We want you to know you've got a family that wants to walk through this season with you. And so maybe family isn't your favorite thing. So I was thinking of another favorite thing that happens at Christmas is this time of year. Maybe you like Christmas music. How many folks, Christmas music is your favorite thing? Like, how many of you have Christmas music on all the time? You're like me. Christmas in July. You could do that, right? So when I was getting ready for today, I thought of my friend Donna Prophet, who is no longer here. She's actually in heaven. Met her about three years ago. Uh, Olivia knew her beforehand. Uh, got to meet her at that moment in time, but she loved Christmas. And her favorite thing was Christmas music. And I always ask her, why did you love Christmas music? She said, because people who don't know Jesus sing about him. And I love that. And so I said, man, I'm going to steal that and take that with me. So I get to carry that piece of her with me all the way through at Christmas. And I'm so thankful that. So this series that we're walking through is going to be for the people who like Christmas music. 
who could always listen to it, could always listen to it. And so today, what we're going to be diving into is a Christmas carol called Oh Holy Night. Now, we're going to sing it at the end. Uh, I wouldn't sing it today. I'm already under the weather, and I sound like a dog barking anyway. So when I do that, it would be awful if I sang that song at the end. But we're going to sing it at the end. But today, we're going to unpack it. And learn a little bit about it and see God moving through it. Because I think so many times we hear these songs on the radio or we hear them through our, our music, through our phone, uh, through our, our eight track or cassette tape. I don't know if we still have those or CD player, whatever it is you listen to with the music. You would have that. And we just take for granted the words of the song. We just sing it by rote. And what I love and how our Vine worship team did this morning is those songs, I was just listening, just taking in the songs. Like, they're familiar and we know them. But today, I just want to walk through Oh Holy Night and say, hey, maybe some of us, the familiarity of the night isn't something that we like. So I'm just going to read these verses, uh, this verse of Oh Holy Night. I'm not going to sing it for you, like I said, or else if you were listening by podcast, you would turn this off immediately. So the first verse of Oh Holy Night says this. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. You see, I think a lot of us right now are either in that world where we're in sin and error pining. I'm not condemning you at this. I'm saying maybe Jesus isn't the center of your life and you're chasing something else. And this season is fun, but after December 25th, it's all over and it's time to pack it up and you only can look forward to next year instead of looking forward to December 26th being the same day that you can celebrate Christmas because Jesus is your Savior. Because it says a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And you see, that's where I think some of us might be today is in a weary world, right? We're ready to get out of the weary world into the rejoicing. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices, O oh, night divine, the night when Christ was born. So I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to give you a little bit of history about this. So if I butcher it and you're a history buff, I'm sorry. So uh, maybe you're going to do this at Christmas trivia. Don't quote me 100%. But in my research, this is what I came up with, okay? So O Holy Night was written in 1847, okay? By Placide Capo. I might have screwed that up, so I'm sorry about the name. So let me tell you a little bit about him. So he was eight years old. He had a gunshot accident, and he lost his hand. But it didn't stop him. Then stopping from going and studying the law, he became a poet in his town. But also, a little bit about him that you didn't know is he became a successful wine merchant. He owned a bar. Let's be real. That's what he did. He owned a bar. Okay? He became a successful wine merchant. So in 1847, to his surprise, the priest of the local church came down and said, I want you to write a poem for me to share at Christmas Eve Mass. Now, obviously, where do you find most of the great poets? down at the local pub or bar. So that's what he did, and he was shocked that the priest would ask him. And because he was so taken back by him, Placida Capo wasn't somebody who went to church. As a matter of fact, he didn't have anything to do with religion. So he was taken back that his poetry had reached even beyond what he thought it could. So he accepted the request, and he goes and he writes this poem. 
And he's reading it, and he's reading it, and he says, something is missing. There's got to be something more to this. There's something missing. So he goes and he reaches out to his friend, Adolph Adams, and Adolph Adams goes and writes a musical accompaniment to it. And so they go back and forth through the creative process, and all of a sudden, Cantique de Noel is born, what we know as O Holy Night. And three weeks later, it's shared at midnight mass on Christmas Eve service. Well, like all things that happen in life and in the world, what happens is Capo decides to join the socialist movement. And so he goes to church while they sing his song, and his song starts sweeping all throughout the church, and people celebrate it for Christmases, but because he decided to join the socialist movement, he didn't want to have anything to do with church, so he steps away from the church. Then all of a sudden, after Capo steps away from the church, it's found out by the church. You know us church people. That's how it goes, so this is, we're going to hear it out. That Adolf Adams is a Jewish man who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So what does the church do, what we grew up going to? The church decides to ban the song that you can't sing it anymore in church because those work, right? Those book burnings. Disney Plus is amazing. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. I grew up when they were burning Disney movies. Praise God that uh, I got to see The Lion King. That's all I'm saying. So uh, they decide to ban it, but what ends up happening is even though they cut it off in the church, the French people love it so much, they continue to sing it. And all of a sudden, one Christmas, an American abolitionist comes by, and, and if I remember correctly, his name is John Sullivan Dwight. He hears this song, Cantique de Noel, and he says, man, this, 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 this canon, this song that I'm singing, I have to bring it back to America, especially at the time that he lived in, because the third verse says, chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And he says, I'm an abolitionist. This country's in civil war, and this song can unite America, this, this cantique de Noel. So I've got to bring it back to America. So all of a sudden, America gets its first taste of O Holy Night. But one of the most famous stories about this song is in 1871, during the Franco-Prussian War, French and German sides are at a stalemate. They're in the trenches. And there's shooting happening, and these guys are fighting in the middle of this war. And all of a sudden, this French soldier jumps up out of the trench, and people are thinking, what's wrong with this crazy man that he goes up? And he jumps up out of this trench, and he starts singing Cantique de Noel. He starts singing, Oh, Holy Night. And once he gets through, all of a sudden, a German soldier pops out of the trenches on his side, and he sings Martin Luther's, From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. Now, Martin Luther is the leader of the Protestant Reformation that we know of, right? So he comes up, and he answers back, and all of a sudden, what happens is these two people at war decide to declare a ceasefire for 24 hours and celebrate Christmas. The power of these songs, the power of our Savior, so many times when you sing Holy Night, Oh Holy Night, think about that. Think about how crazy this song is. As a matter of fact, as I was getting ready to walk through this, I started seeing, hey, maybe in our life we're stuck in the night and we got to learn how to walk through it because Oh Holy Night's a great song to sing, but it's an even better carol to live out. So if you've got your Bible today, I want to show you where Jesus Jesus does some really cool things. I wanna, we're going to be in two places today. We're going to be in Isaiah 45, 
And obviously the most famous uh, that we know is Luke 2. And the reason we started in Luke 2 as we share the Christmas story, if you know anything about me, I always had a security blanket growing up, so I was Linus. And if we remember at the end of Charlie Brown Christmas, Linus quotes Luke 2 when he stands up there and he does his thing. Now, if I was really cool, I would have been a shepherd and tied my blanket around my head, but y'all would probably judge me. So uh, that being said, we're going to be in Isaiah 45 and Luke 2 today. If you if you don't have your Bible, we have them free for the asking at the Guardian. Or hey, maybe you like to do things digitally. I want to show you how you can follow along with us on the Bible app. Uh, maybe you're watching online. You can do that. If you would like to follow along with us, here's how you do it. You download the Bible app from your favorite app store. Once you open that up, you want to go ahead and click on the more tab, and then you're going to click on events. Now, once you click on events, make sure your location services is on, and you're going to see the Vine TV worship experience. You're going to see today's message Star of Wonder, O Holy Night. And once you click that, you're going to see ways that you can connect with us throughout the week, ways that we can serve you if, if there's anything that we can do there. But also you're going to see all the scripture we're going to walk through, a place for you to take personal notes. So if you want to get in your Bible to Isaiah 45, I want you to see something here that, that blew me away. Because when I look at Capo and Adams, I see that God worked through men who weren't professing him as their Lord and Savior. And it brought me to this place, and, and, and really particularly Isaiah 45, we're going to do verse 1 through 5, but I want you to pay special attention at verse 3, because this is kind of where we're going to see God do what only he can do. So verse 1 says this, this is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their honor, to open doors before him so the gates will not be shut. Now before we move on, I want to tell you, Cyrus is the king when Israel is coming back from Babylonian captivity, okay? As a matter of fact, some folks thought maybe he was the Messiah, the Jewish people kind of, and then they figured out he wasn't. But Cyrus leads, lets the Jewish people, excuse me, go back to, go back to Jerusalem, go back to Israel and rebuild the temple. So he holds a special place in their heart. And it goes on to Xerxes and Artaxerxes, if you ever study the Old Testament and how the, the temple was rebuilt and the timber was there. But Cyrus was not a man who, who followed God. We're going to see that right here. Yet God just called him his anointed one. He says, I will go before you and I will level mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. Now, this is where I want you to pay attention, circle, highlight, do whatever you got to do in your Bible because this is important. He says, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places. Now, that's what the NIV says. If you look in the NKJV, it'll tell you something along the lines of, I will show you hidden treasures that are found in the secret of darkness. I will, I will show you hidden treasures that can only be found in the darkness so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my service, or excuse me, my servant of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me. What's really crazy and what I want you to see, not just in verse 3, but throughout this, is Jesus can work through anything that's willing. He looked at Placido Capo, and this man who had nothing to do with the church wrote one of the most famous Christmas carols we share all the time, him and his friend. Yet right now, we may think that we're not good enough for God. We may think we got to clean ourselves up for God. We may think that we've got to have all this together for God. And I just want to tell you, he's just after your heart. He's looking for a willing heart. If you'll just be willing, he just looked. You can see right here, he just worked through a king who did not acknowledge him. 
and he still worked through him. He worked through those two men to write that Christmas carol, one that we celebrate, one that we're talking about today. So today I just want to talk to you. Maybe, maybe God is telling you, and I want you to know that God is telling you this, that maybe he's trying to tell you right now he is the only one that can take this nighttime that you're in, this darkness, and show you the hidden treasures in it. And the hidden treasure is he can take your nighttime and turn it into a holy time. If you hear what I'm saying, like he's the only one that is God. He's the only one that can rescue you. He's the only one that can take this night and turn it into a glorious morn. Because many of us today, we get rest in our PJs. And why in the world do we put on PJs? Because we look forward to the morning, right? As a matter of fact, in the night, we say, if I can just get through tonight, I'm going to be okay. Because when my sun comes up, it's a brand new day. It's a fresh start. And I want to tell you, maybe you're in your PJs right now and you keep looking for a fresh start. And I want to tell you, it's already come. Jesus is already here. If you just have a willing heart, you don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to have it all together. Jesus will work through you. You just tell him that you're ready to be used. And watch what he'll do. Because today, if I'm completely honest, I said the weary world rejoices. The world is caught in sin and error pining. I believe that many of us here maybe are in a dark place. Hey, I would be willing to bet we heard some awesome stories in our Reclaim series that many of us here have been in the darkness for 30 years. We've been in our PJs for 30 years waiting for that glorious morning. We're frustrated at God, and we're asking God why he's not moving, and we're, we're, we're arguing with God. We're saying, God, I want to trust your timing. God, I want to know what's going on. Many of us right now are like, Jesus, do you see me in these ridiculous PJs? I want a glorious morning. Like, I know you're God, and I know you're the one that can change it. But many of us today still feel like no matter what, we're going to be in these PJs when tomorrow comes. And I want you to take heart because there's some beauty in the darkness because Paul wrote it in this letter when he wrote to 2 Corinthians, then we'll be in Luke, so hang in here with me. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says it this way. When Paul wrote, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said this, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine on our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. And what is it displayed on? In the face of Christ. You see, maybe you're in the dark place, and I want you to see that Christmas is a dark time. God's face shows the brightest in the darkest of nights we see Christ. It takes us being in darkness to actually see God be revealed to show us clearly who he is. When he talked to King Cyrus, Israel was in slavery. They were in captivity. They were in one of the darkest moments in their history, and God does what only he can do. Paul is telling us right here to be reminded that even in the darkness, Christ is with us. And so I told you to look for those hidden treasures. We're going to see Mary do that here in just a moment. But I want you to see that maybe you don't need to react when you're in the darkness. Maybe you're fighting God and you're frustrated with God because you still feel like you're in the night. Like I said, I'm in these PJs, Jesus. Like it's time for me to change. I'm ready to have a glorious morn. But instead of reacting, I wonder if you would just ponder. And maybe today I want you to ask yourself, I want you to see maybe how to handle your night. Today's the day, and I want you to learn how to handle your night, how to walk through your night, how to see the darkness is important for us to walk through things. We have to walk through darkness because here's what happened. Let me tell you, if you don't know this, maybe you've learned this, but the Old Testament prophets, 
prophesied that Jesus was going to come. We just read from Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah said the Messiah is going to come. 700 plus years. Some say 740, but we know 700 years. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament prophets would light a candle in the darkness in hopes of the Messiah to come. Think about that when you drive by all those candles lit lit in windows when you drive by those little Christmas candles looking for the Messiah to come. But what I want you to see is stop fighting God in your darkness because you can see him more clearly if, we, clearly if you know how to handle your night because Christmas finds its setting in darkness. Let's think about this before we dive into Luke 2. Joseph and Mary, two teenagers, pregnant, with child, not married, all of a sudden they have to go and give birth to a Savior because an angel told them, hey, you're going to be pregnant with the Son of God. And they walk in obedience in darkness. Can you imagine how dark that was? Mary even had to go to had to even go to Elizabeth and had to step away to go to someone else, didn't she? Because of her family, like she had to go to someone else to talk about it. Somebody who was barren that God moved through, she had to go through someone to someone else because she was just walking in what seemed like a dark time. The shepherds that we're about to read about, they hear from the angels we're going to see at night in the darkness, not in the middle of the day, not that they couldn't happen in the middle of the day. They do it in the dark, in night. The place where Jesus was born, we say it's a cave. There's folks that say it was an inn that was called a caravan. I won't debate that. I won't walk through that. I will tell you, no matter what, it was a dark place Even if it was out in the open, it was still a dark place that happened. Think about what we just saw with the the wise men that walked. They followed the star by night. It only could be seen in the darkest, and it's the clearest in the darkness. Jesus shows himself in the darkness. God works through the darkness. Remember Genesis 1, verse 2 and 3? Basically 1, verse 2 and 3. Genesis 1, 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and darkness covered the depth and the spirit of God hovered over the earth and then God said let there be light and there was light that was the father son and the holy spirit right there Jesus was there from the beginning but darkness is what God does some of his greatest work through if you look in Mark 15 when Jesus is on the cross and he says it is finished what happens over the land it becomes dark because the light is about to appear the brightest it's ever been And so today, I want to walk through how you can handle your night and how you may be feeling like you're in your PJs forever. And you're instead of being frustrated at God, I want to tell you to stop reacting. And let's see the hidden treasures that he shows us in secret places. So if you've got your Bible, let's continue on, excuse me, to Luke 2 as we talk about how to handle our night. Luke 2 verse 1 through 7 is where we're going to start. And it says this. And my best line is voice. I'm just kidding. (laughs) In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So there were two reasons why the Roman world would have a census, okay? The first is they wanted to see how many able-bodied men they had if they ever had to have an invasion and they needed to call men up to war. We call that the draft in the United States. They wanted to see how many able-bodied men they had to go into service. The second reason, which all of us know, even live it out today, is because they wanted to levy taxes and they wanted to see how many people were in the place. So they're having a census 
So get ready when we have our census next year, the debated census, it's probably for taxes. And it's also the same reason we want to see how many able-bodied men we have in a location. And it says in verse 3, and everyone went to their own town to register. Now we know that this was a Jewish thing. This was not a Roman thing. The Jewish people wanted to do that. The reason they had to go to their own town, we're going to see how this ties into darkness in a second, is they wanted to be sure that the allotment that was given to their tribe from Joshua when they invaded the homeland and they took, they took over the promised land, they wanted to be sure that all the tribes stayed in the same area so that way they could make sure that the tribes weren't mixed up between areas. So think about that. Joseph and Mary probably feel like they're in this embarrassing part and this embarrassing place in life. And then all of a sudden the census comes and they're like, hey, you got to show everybody what's going on. You're about to have this baby in front of your whole family. You've kept it quiet for eight and a half months. But come month nine, it's time for you to break bread with these people. How crazy awesome is that? We can see that there's darkness there. Verse 4 says, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Remember, he is born in the line of David. God promised the Messiah would come out of that. He is from the tribe of Judah. He goes to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, which we learned not too long ago means the house of bread. Jesus says he's the bread of life. See how God just works all these things through? It's crazy. So he goes on, and he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Uh-oh. We were just going to stay for a minute, but instead something crazy happened, right? We were just going to be there for appetizers, but now we done moved on to the baby being born, right? And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them, or as we've learned, there was no room for them in the inn. So here's what I want to tell you about how to handle your night that you can understand about the night. Number one, the night gives you perspective. It gives you perspective. We can see God moving all throughout this story and lining these things up. We said he's in the line of David from the tribe of Judah, going to the city of David, the house of bread, where Jesus was to be born. He's lining up all these things Isaiah talked about and Jeremiah talked about, all the way even where God promised Abraham how all of a sudden he would look up at the night sky and he would have as many descendants, right, as the stars in the sky. So when I talk about the night giving you perspective, I want to tell you a story of a... <laughs> pastor story so hang in here with me i want to tell you a story of a church in town who did a nativity scene now we have one in town that does one i believe and this is not them so i want to make them know that if they happen to be listening so there was a church that were a, a, a fairly new church they started doing a nativity scene and what started is on the front lawn they would have the little stable and they had a baby in a manger now it couldn't keep the baby out in the cold so they, they they put a fake baby in there i guess would be the best way to say it and they had mary joseph the wise man and that's what happened and and all of a sudden all the members of the church went as the years went by, they added the angels to sing, and they added some shepherds. Believe it or not, they even went to the local shriners and got some camels. Like, they were stepping up their game. They got some cattle. They got some sheep. They got everybody fired up. So much so, this thing grew to be so big. They had more people come to the live nativity scene than they had attend their church. And they're like, man, this is an awesome opportunity at Christmas to reach the community. It's an awesome opportunity to reach people. We got to go bigger. So all of a sudden, instead of just having a few angels, it turned into 50 and a host of angels. So much so, it wasn't just the innkeeper. It became the innkeeper's wife, his kids, and his grandkids that Mary and Joseph ran into. Like Everybody had a part in this play. And one year, they decided, how can we go bigger? 
So they found a billboard by the interstate. Now, the billboard had 100,000 cars drive by it every day. It was so impactful, had so much traffic. They knew, like, if we just get out there that the nativity scene is coming, then more people than ever before will come see this. So everybody's excited. And so the pastor goes to a, a local painter. <clears throat> we have some painters here. Praise God. That just had some babies, right? Praise Jesus. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Uh, they went to a local painter who just retired, and he said, man, I've been looking for a way to give back to the church. So I'm going to paint this billboard. And the pastor is so excited. They're ready to go. But he said, I have one condition. I have to have a cloth over it, and I don't want you to see it until I'm finished. And so the pastor's so excited. So he tells him everything he wants on the billboard. I want all the faces of the angels, and, and I want the full nativity scene, the camels, the sheep, the cow. I want to see everything. Like, I want to see the innkeeper. I want to see the, the whole town of Bethlehem. So I want people to see that we're going to recreate everything possible. And the man said, okay, just like I said, just wait until I'm finished. And so he paints it, and it takes him about two weeks to paint it. They're coming up on the Thanksgiving holiday. They're getting ready to do their little live nativity scene around Christmas, and it's time to unveil the painting. Everybody's so excited. They call the news media in. The mayor's there to cut a ribbon. Like, this is a big deal for this church. They're like, we finally got the city elders involved. We got everybody involved. This is going to be the time where everyone comes to church at Christmas. We can't wait. And all of a sudden, the cloth drops and a silence comes across everyone. When they look at this painting, they see what looks like a homeless man with a long beard and tattered clothing with a staff in his hand. They see a teenage girl who looks like she's just had a rough life, all dirty, grungy. They have a camel that looks tired and weary, and they have this baby in a milk crate. And the people are aghast. They're just angry. How could this painter do this? Like, we worked so hard. Did you see my gold wings last year when I sang with the angels? Like, how in the world could he do this? And they're embarrassed. The news people don't run the story. They can't believe what's going on. They're so scared. The pastor's so angry at this painter, so much so we ask him not to come to church the next week because he's afraid of the backlash from the crowd. But you see, the funny thing that happened that week at that church is the secretary had to ask for help because the floods of emails and phone calls that came in asking what that billboard was about because people connected with it so much more that hadn't even been to that nativity scene. The reason I'm sharing that story with you is when you walk through your dark time, it gives you night because reality is Joseph and Mary were in this crazy dark time. It wasn't as pretty as we think. It, it, G, baby Jesus with a halo being born in that manger. I'm going to tell you what, he was fully God, fully man. If you have children, he needed his diaper changed. He didn't come out telling Joseph and Mary, I need changing, Father, Mother, please feed me. Like, he didn't come out that way. He cried. He, he, he became fully human. It wouldn't be part of the experience. And the reason I want you to know this is in your night, you gain perspective. Here's some things you gain perspective of. You gain perspective of God's power. I just shared with you like Abraham, he had to look up at the stars at night because God promised him your descendants will number as many as the stars in the sky long before Isaac was born. Long before his son was born. Why did God remind him that at night? Because at the night is when he was going to worry about it, not in the daytime. And when I look up at that night sky, that's when God talks to me. Is when I look up at those stars, I'm reminded of his promise. And it gives me perspective that he is who he says he is. It gives you perspective of your heart. 
gives you perspective of your heart. Look at, look at Joseph and Mary. All of this, what would be shame, disappointment, and anger in their life, and probably bitterness. I mean, it's cool to be used by God, but it's one thing when it seems like everyone's turning their back on you. Because think about this. As we talk about perspective, we'll get to this in a minute. But Joseph and Mary went back to the place where his family was. But there was no room for him. You mean to tell me that your third cousin's friend didn't have a room somewhere in the city of Bethlehem that I could hang out just for a day? Mm -mm. There's no room for him. Gives you perspective of your heart. When you go through the night, I can tell you when I'm stressing or I'm worrying at night, Jesus is reminding me of the control freak in me saying, Tyler, just trust me. Just trust me. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Trust me. And in the night, the way you gain perspective is you can see in your heart where he's just working those things out of you where you aren't fully devoted to him. It'll give you perspective of the pain. It'll give you purpose in your pain. Just because Mary gave birth to Jesus, it didn't mean she had an easy labor. Like I said, whether it was in a cave or in the middle of a field in a barn, wherever it was, she had this baby. I don't think the childbirth was any easier just because it was Jesus. When you're in your darkness and you have your pain, you can't see the reason for it in the middle of it. When you come out of it, you can see the purpose in it. It gives you perspective. It'll show you that there's purpose in your pain. And also, last but not least, it'll give you perspective of the people he's placed around you and the people he's placed with you. I would venture to bet Joseph and Mary's marriage was pretty strong because of this. Because of Jesus. I, I mean, Joseph had the moment where he was going to divorce her quietly, and the angel comes to him and says, wait, 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 you're going you're, you're gonna to be the earthly father of this child that is the Messiah, the one that we've talked about. The whole world is in their PJs waiting for this glorious morn, and you're going to get to be the dude that leads the camel, <laughs> leads the donkey that Mary's going to ride. And believe it or not, when I look at this, I'm pretty sure Joseph had to deliver the baby. I don't think there were any cows sitting there like waiting, like mooing their way to do it. Like Joseph had to be there. So when you get perspective in the night, it shows what God's placed in your life and the people you've placed in your life. You ever notice when you go through struggle, how some people stay and some people run? They wouldn't run if you didn't go through it. That's the beauty of the night. So in your darkness, don't get frustrated. Look that God's trying to give you perspective. Let's go on. What does verse eight say? Verse eight says this, as we go verse eight through 12. And then there were shepherds, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. By night excuse me, I almost said day, my goodness. <laughs> flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. And if you don't have this underlined in your Bible or you don't have this, I want you to circle this and be reminded about this glorious morn that we sing about in O Holy Night. It will cause you great joy for all the people. Not the ones who have it cleaned up, not the religious people, not the ones who have all the Bible verses memorized, know all the familiar hymns, can sing it in Latin and can sing it in English. Not the people who can go from the originals, the people, all people, all people. Jesus came for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped, lying in a manger. The second thing I want you to know about how to handle your night, not only does the night give you perspective, it shows you new grace. 
The night will show you new grace. And here's what I mean by this. The shepherds were the outcasts of the world. They were nomads. As a matter of fact, they would take their herds to where the grass was the greenest and where the water could feed them the most. They had no home. They were wanderers. And because they were wanderers in Israel, they were considered ceremonially unclean. As a matter of fact, there are still shepherds there. We call them Bedouins, right? There are tents set up if you ever go to the Holy Land. Uh, I've not been on this in, in, in my lifetime here, but I know I'll get to spend eternity there if I don't get to see it on this side of eternity. I'll get to spend eternity in the new heaven and new earth. But I will say it to you this way. That if you ever go there, you're going to see tents set up, and they're called Bedouins. They're called shepherds. And the thing is, they're still there. They're still looking for a home. They're still a nomadic people. But yet, when God wanted to reveal the greatest glory he could give to the world, he didn't go to the pastor. He didn't go to the priest, just like the priest went to Placida Capo to write this story, this song, this poem. He didn't go to somebody in the church. He went to somebody else. He went to the outcast. He went to the marginalized. And what the night can show you is the grace of God in the midst of your trial, the grace of God in the midst of everything you're walking through. And I want you to see that's why he went to the shepherds. Now, I have some friends who are messianic, and they would tell me this about the shepherds who were watching their flock by night. Believe it or not, those flocks were raising the Passover lamb that was to be sacrificed during the Passover season. Now, isn't it crazy how God lines things up? The, they're raising the Passover lamb, and yet they're the first ones who get to go see the lamb who is the final sacrifice. As a matter of fact, these marginalized men are walking away from a life of animal sacrifice, going to the sacrifice that will be the sacrifice for our sin. They're actually walking away from the life that they're rejected in. Sometimes when you're in the night, you got to deal with some rejection, don't you? I want you to see that God shows you new grace in your night. As a matter of fact, I love how Psalm talks about it. Psalm 35 says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You see that dark moment, the grace of God in those dark moments I look in my life as it snapped me into reality. But I never would have got there if I didn't walk through the darkness because I could see God so clearly in the darkness compared to the daytime says this in verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. Now think about this scene when I talk about spirit, uh, excuse me, Christmas is set in darkness. Now, how many moms have had babies in the hospital or maybe, how many, how many moms are in the room? Let me put it to you that way. Now, would you want a bunch of grungy guys who were outcasts coming crowding your manger and your baby just because they said an angel told you? I would have said, whatever they're smoking, I want it just so I can calm down a little bit, but y'all need to get out of here, right? But instead, they welcome the shepherds in. They welcome them in. Like, that's a crazy moment I can see God moving. Wouldn't happen if it wasn't the dark. Maybe God let it happen at night and why the angels came at night. I've heard folks say, well, we don't know if Jesus was born in the day or night. I would think the pent-up emotion, the pent-up celebration that the angels had, do you think they would have waited 30 minutes for it to be dark before they told the angels when Jesus was born? I guarantee you the first moment he cried, they went out to those shepherds right away. And so it had to happen at night because these grungy dudes were coming in with some staffs and looked pretty rough and probably 
probably needed a shower, but Mary didn't care. Like They came in and she welcomed them in, these outcasts. She welcomed them in. And that's what I love about it. So they find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, just as God had told him. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to him. If we're Christians right now, I want you to look at those shepherds. This is what I love about them. They're outcasts. They're marginalized. They're the ones that people say would be the least likely that God would tell about the son. The least likely about his son. The least likely that God would tell about the Messiah. But what did they do? They received the message of the angels by faith. After they received it by faith, they immediately took a next step and went to the manger and saw that God is who he says he is. But it didn't stop there. They had to go tell everyone what they had seen. And everyone was amazed. You see, so many times we don't like to be like those shepherds, though, do we? We go find the baby. Like, what if those shepherds just went and found the baby in a manger and was like, cool baby. I just walked back off to the, the, the sheep. Oh, that's cool. You got a kid. Congratulations. Yay. And told no one ever. Christians, that's what we have. We get to live Christmas every day. We get to share it with everyone. And if God can work through some shepherds that have no home, trust me. He can work through me. He can work through you. He can work through all of us. So the third thing I want to talk to you about today, about how to handle your night, is I want you to see not only does the night give you perspective, not only does it show you new grace, but it points to the hope for all. Your darkness points to the hope for all because I can tell you if you're in Christ Jesus, he is working something out that you may not be able to see right now, but if he started it, what I love about him is he's going to finish it. He's going to finish it. If he said that he's going to do it, he's going to do it. That's why when he told Abraham when he didn't have a son, look up at all those stars. Abraham, trust me, look up at all those stars. Those descendants will happen, and what will come through you will be salvation for the entire world. And I imagine Abraham sitting there, and it's Christmas, and he's thinking about Santa Claus coming, and he's like, I ain't got nobody to buy for but Sarah, and I don't know what to do. And she's going to know it's from me because I can't say it's from anybody else. Like She's going to know it's from me. Like, what in the world? And I imagine all that stress, all that worry, all that frustration in the night. I can tell you I'm guilty of that. And instead we can see that God moved. It points to the hope for all. And the reason of that is Christ's whole life is about accessibility. What I mean by that is this. Even in the darkness and even in the light, he's always open and available for anyone who's willing to come to him. That's why the shepherds were welcomed. When Christ laid in that manger, it pointed to the cross. He was born in the wood in the manger, and he went to the wood of the cross so that all of us could be saved and all of us could be invited in. When I look at Jesus' whole life, it was a life of invitation, asking, even in your darkest night, will you come and receive me and believe I am who I say I am? When he was walking through those crowds, remember that woman who had been bleeding for years said, if I could just touch his garment, I can be healed. And she touches his garment, and he turns around, and she thinks, oh, my goodness, he's going 
going to condemn me. Like he knows that it was me. I'm in so much trouble. And he looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has made you well. He wanted her to know she wasn't walking through it alone. She was welcome into the family. She had someone that was walking with her through it and that she mattered. When we look all the way through, remember the centurion faith. He comes to Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus was who he says he is. He had just heard about him. But he said, hey, I've got a servant that's sick at home. And I know if you say he can be healed, I'll do whatever it is so that he can be healed. And Jesus says, greater faith have I not seen on anyone on this earth than the faith of this centurion. The last person that people would ever say trusted Jesus, he worked through. Remember when Jesus had the little kids and the disciples created a little barrier for them? They were like, we don't want those thinking kids. Like, you know, they, were, they had a little barrier for them. They weren't going to let them come to Jesus. And Jesus brought them up on his lap and said, let the little children come to me. His life was open and accessible. That's why I love Vine Kids, because they learn about Jesus on their level. I love that so much. His life was open and accessible for all. But the thing I want you to see the most outside of everything today is maybe you're somewhere in your night. But I want you to look at what Mary did in Luke 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart midst of the darkness she found the hidden treasure in secret places in the midst of the darkness she saw God moving in the midst of the darkness she saw this baby who was going to be the savior she did know by the way she saw this baby was going to be the savior now she didn't know that how he was going to die but she knew he was the savior she pondered it and treasured it Maybe you're in the middle of this dark season of your life. You feel like all you've got is PJs on every day. Instead of reacting and being angry with God, would you just trust him? Would you just trust him? You see, one of the shepherds that night, uh, there's a story that goes this way. One of those shepherds that night for about 40 years, he told his family that they saw the angels in the field that night. He was so excited, and his family's grown so much. He, he tells it every year, and everybody gets so excited. Uh, and he says, "'Twas the night before Christmas." I'm just kidding. He didn't say it that way. Uh, even though we could go there, we could go there. Uh, he, he goes, and his grandson's there, and as grandchildren tend to do, but, but Grandpa, but Grandpa, wait, 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 but Grandpa, Grandpa. And he's just like, wait just a minute, wait just a minute. And he goes to tell the story, and he puts his grandson on his lap, and it, he finally lets his grandson ask the question, because eventually you got to let the question be answered, Right? But grandpa, what was the baby like in the manger? And so the, the grandpa goes ahead and he continues on with this story and he talks about the angels appearing out of nowhere saying this baby's gonna be in a manger and this is the savior of the world, it is the Messiah. And the grandpa gets there and he looks at his grandson with shame and he puts his hand in his head and he said, I don't know, I didn't go to the manger. The only time I saw him was on the cross. You see, so many times in our life, we can know the Christmas story. We can sing the Christmas song, but instead we're so consumed in our darkness and consumed in ourself that we miss out on the light that can be seen in the darkness. But what I wanted to show you in Isaiah 45 was God will show you treasures, hidden treasures in secret places. And Mary lived it out in Luke 2.19 and pondered those things of that night in the darkness and treasured it. So if you're walking through your night today, I just want to ask you, are you treasuring it or are you angry about it? Because Christians, we get to be like these shepherds 
We have this amazing opportunity. I shared with you what Donna Prophet told me, where people sing about the love of Christ, but don't even know who he is. And if that's not an open door to say, let me tell you about my Jesus, nothing could ever be. We get to share the love, even with those that we may think don't deserve it. And if we do, let's work on our heart, because everybody deserves it. I, I see those angels came and said, all people, red, yellow, black, and white, all people. He came to save all people, the refugee, the nomad, the one who has a home, the country club person, the, the person who lives in the, in, the, in the shelter right down the road here. He came to save everyone, not just some. Christians, we get to share that with the world. And a matter of fact, we even, I will tell you, every person God's placed in my life, they're going through some darkness. I've either been through that darkness or I get to walk with them through it and say, man, I'm about to walk into that darkness myself. This time of year, guys, when we see folks with PJs on, let's be reminded that the world has always been in sin and error pining. Has always been there. But then he appears and the soul feels its worth. Until that moment in time, the soul can never feel its full worth. Can never feel its full worth. But then there was a thrill of hope the weary world could finally rejoice and yonder broke a new and glorious morn. you know yonder over yonder yonder you think that they didn't know about us back in the day he did yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. so I want to ask you this as we're in our Christmas PJs as we're walking through this life are you continuing to walk in your PJs all the time because I'm going to tell you, sometimes you get excited about PJs. I'm going to tell you when you get the most excited on Christmas Eve. Because <laughs> you know when you wake up, Santa! Like, right, like you're going to go crazy because Santa came. And you're going to rip paper and, and take the toy that somebody spent thousands on and play with a box instead of the toy, more than likely, right? You're going to have all those things. And for a moment, you get a thrill of hope. And that's what the world does. They're just looking for that little bitty moment where everything lines up and they have the perfect Christmas but I want to tell you every day can be the perfect day because you can have the perfect one in your life. And his name is Jesus. And so I want to ask you today, does Christ occupy the place of promise for you in this season, even in the midst of your darkest night, even in the midst of the time where you say, there's no way God is real. There's no way that God would ever take me. There's no way that God could ever work through me. I just shared with you how this song we're about to sing in a minute is the song that he worked through people who didn't even believe he was who he says he was. When we look in Isaiah, he rebuilt his temple through a king who didn't even acknowledge that he was God. And in this moment, I guarantee you, and I'm willing to bet even that innkeeper that didn't have room for Mary and Joseph probably didn't believe Jesus was who he says he was. But that wasn't foreign to Jesus. He lived his whole ministry, people telling him, there's no way you're the Messiah. There's no way you're the Son of God. There's no way that you are who you say you are. But instead, he continued in obedience, lived a life of accessibility, came, died the death we deserve for our sins on the cross, loved us enough not to stay dead. He rose again on the third day so that we could have life, so that we didn't have to walk in our PJs all the time, so that we could be woken up into newness of life and celebrate a glorious morn, not just on December 25th, but on January 1st, on January 6th, on February 6th, hello, uh, on February 14th. We get to celebrate it all the time because every new day is like Christmas morn. Every new day, even if I wake up and I still got my PJs on. And so my question is, and what I want you to see right now as we get ready to sing here in a moment is how I want to close out today is this. Why do we have PJs? Because many of us are looking for a glorious morning one way or the other, aren't we? 
BC, Ephesians 5.14 says it this way for all of us. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. For some of us right now, our hearts are waking up to Christ for the first time. Our hearts are waking up to see that we've been trying to put it all together. We've been fighting to have the perfect Christmas and mad about the darkness of our night long enough that instead we need to be looking at a Savior who came that just says, hey, I've got the greatest gift of all, the gift of life. The thing is, you don't have to have a checkbox. You don't have to have a list. You didn't have to have a certain invitation to get there. You just got to receive it. And so today as we close it out, I just want to ask you, have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you ever seen that he is who he says he is? Or have you disqualified yourself because you think you're not good enough? Have you disqualified yourself because you think you're an outcast? Have you said that maybe he can love everyone else but me? I want you to ask yourself that question and answer it truthfully today. Can you see that Jesus is who he says he is? Because even if I'm walking in my PJs, my God is still God. Even in the darkness of night, he's still God. He is still the one that will see it to completion because he is the light. And I could not see him until I realized I was in my darkness and I was walking in my PJs. And so right now, I just want to ask, is he calling you to wake up? And if he is, I want to help you because someone helped me with this. And we're about to say a prayer and everyone in this house will pray this prayer. Uh, Faith at the same time. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you, but the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And we pray as a family here because no one walks through this alone. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner (coughs) separated from you. I believe you came, lived the life I couldn't live died the death I deserve on the cross but love me enough not to stay dead but rose again so that I may have life come take over my life Lord teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how with every head bow and every eye closed if that's you and for the first time you have given your life to Jesus. I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to respond. One, two, three. If that's you and you're in this house, would you respond? If you're online watching, you're going to see a hand that's raised. Please respond. Maybe you're listening throughout the week. Please reach out to us and let us know if you have woken up and you are seeing that you're in your PJs and it's time for something new and there's a glorious morning to be celebrated because you have given your life to Christ. I'm gonna ask you to reach out to us at prayer at thevine.tv. Shoot us a text message or a phone call at 864-580-6698. I wanna tell you that, hey, you can even be in your PJs with Jesus and know it's gonna be all right. You can be in the middle of the craziest stress and the craziest storm ever and know that Jesus is your light. Even in the darkness, you can see him more clearly than ever before. And for everyone else here, we're about to sing this beautiful song, Oh Holy Night. And I'm going to pray that while we sing this song and we get to be in our Christmas PJs looking forward to a glorious morn, that we would sing it like we mean it, like every day is a glorious morn because we no longer are caught in sin and error pining. We can rejoice even in the weariness because we don't have to work our way there. We don't have to earn anything. He freely gives it if we'll just come to him. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to stand and sing this song with us. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and living this life for us. Thank you for living a life of accessibility. Thank you for giving us a hope 
that we couldn't earn, giving us the hope that, that, that there's no way we could clean ourselves up to receive enough, but instead you freely give it to us. You freely give us access. You freely show us that there is a better way, that there is a glorious morning, even in the darkest night, that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, you are our light. So Jesus, I pray as we sing this song, oh holy night, we wouldn't be caught up in the weariness of what we're walking through, but instead we would be caught up in the rejoicing and that we would celebrate like those angels did your arrival because we know that when you came, you set us free. Jesus, we love you. I know today I would be remiss to say that many of us may not be bringing something in in our night. I pray that in this song, we would lay it down to you and we would even proclaim and declare in worship, oh, holy night, because you're here, Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Yeah, stand and sing with us. stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he so felt its worth the thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn for Is 
wrap up today, you know how we do it each and every week. Let's go ahead and lock it up and get ready to pray over our week. I want to go ahead and invite you to next week as we walk through O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Awesome song, but we're going to be mad for plaid next week. So I expect to see some plaid everywhere, and I promise you it'll have something to do with the message, and it'll be great. So let's lock it up and pray, and let's go about our week and have an awesome week. Dear Jesus, thank you again for this time. Thank you that... Thank you that you came so that we can have life. Jesus, we can celebrate every morning being a glorious morning because of you. And right now, Jesus, some of us are in our darkness. Some of us have walked out of the darkness. And you have let us go through that, Jesus, because we can share you even more clearly with the world. So I pray today that we wouldn't be upset about our darkness, that we would see you in the midst of us because you reveal yourself the clearest when we are in the darkest of places. So Jesus, I pray as we go about our week, maybe we see some friends that aren't literally in PJs, but for the first time, you're making us aware to them that they don't know who you are, that they're chasing something other than you. So Jesus, I pray that we would share this gift of salvation that you've given us with them. Jesus, it's not up to us whether they respond to it or not, but Lord, it is our job to share you. So I pray this week that we would share you. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Uh, thank you for the 60-degree weather here. Uh, but maybe we can have a white Christmas. It is what it is. But we love you, Lord. Uh, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next week for Mad for Plaid Sunday.